Hallelujah. He is risen. Yeah. So I was raised in the church, um, and in the old days, I'm not that old, but when I was a kid, when the pastor or the worship leader would say, he has risen, the congregation says, he is risen indeed, there's an affirmation of that truth, which you said amen, which is the same thing, but different. Let's do it. He is risen. He is. He's amazing. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word, the Bible? If you did, say yes. Or indeed. All right. That was kind of lame, so you better get after it. Did you spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda? You know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? One of the things he's saying is read your Bible more. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? All right. So did you share Jesus with someone this week? Did you invite someone to church with you today? So I want to tell you something. God's very patient. He's he's so gracious, and he is so, he's just amazing. And I'm only telling you this because of how blessed I am, and I mean, I am blessed in so many ways, but I mean, I'll tell you what, God is so, (laughs) he's good, he's so good. I have been praying for this person specifically, I pray for a lot of people, but there's this person I've been having coffee with for, I'm telling you, it's probably been eight to ten years, and um, they walked in the doors to church today, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the first service, and I mean, it's like there was, anyway, I just want to encourage you. God's patient, he's gracious, he's amazing, and I'm just telling you, just be patient and faithful and let God do his thing. You know, let's do that. He's so, so good to us, man, and I'm like, thank you, Lord. If you were here for Good Friday service, you know I wasn't. I was blessed with my wife and James to go up to the village of Oak Creek, which is our satellite campus that we started. This is, I believe, our fifth Sunday. That's just a guess in my mind, so if it's not, forgive me. It's been a little bit of time, but we're still learning. And we were able to go up there and share in communion with those people and um, our family in the village of Oak Creek, God's people. And uh, as I did that, at the end of the service, a lady came over to talk to me and said it was the first time she'd ever received communion like that in a church service like that because she comes from a different place. I'll just leave it like that, okay? And this is what she said, and I'm like, God, you're so awesome. She said, I, I understood what this meant and what you were saying, and it was very meaningful to me for the first time in my life. And I was like, oh, God, you're so awesome. <laughs> See, when the Holy Spirit opens our heart, and we're willing to be opened, he will speak exactly what we need to hear. He's faithful. has nothing to do with me. He's proven himself to speak through a donkey in the Old Testament. He can speak through anything. But church, the biggest thing is, is the person that the message is coming to has to be willing to hear and receive that message. So you may think, I'm a donkey. I don't care what you think of me. I don't. Jesus loves me, and he died for me. I want you to know he loves you. And he loves you enough that he wants to speak right now through these lips into your heart, his word. And he is incredible. (laughs) We gather here today on the greatest day in the history of the world. I mean past, present, and future. 
This day means everything to the world. To the people who don't know about it or understand it, to you and I, this day means everything. See, in the Old Testament, when God established the, the law and the walk that he had given to them, what he asked of them, he said for the church to gather on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, the seventh day of the week. And I have a lot of people that ask me questions. Why don't we meet on Saturday, which is the Sabbath day? Well, the good news is we don't, church. The good news is we meet on the first day of the week because the fulfillment of everything God was talking about there in the Old Testament came to be on the resurrection day of Jesus Christ, which is the first day of the week, because God was saying, I'm starting something new, not something old. There's a new covenant, a new way, and we in the New Testament church meet on the first day of the week, Sunday, to celebrate resurrection every Sunday, not just at Easter, not just at resurrection day. Every Sunday, we gather because we are part of the new covenant, the new way, the new message. It's all about Jesus, man. So so church, we're celebrating today. Yeah. And we're going to celebrate next Sunday too. We are. From here on out, for the rest of our lives, we celebrate this day. But it's more than just gathering together on Sunday. It's way more than that. It's about a life that God has called us into that affects our Monday through Saturday as well. And as we look today, I want you to know that Jesus Christ was crucified Jesus Christ did rise from the dead, and Jesus Christ is coming again. There is a day that Jesus Christ will come again, and God has that date circled on his calendar, not mine and yours, not your local prophets, God's calendar. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm saying God has it circled on his calendar. Jesus told us that when he ascended into heaven. He said, that's not for you or me to know. It's the Father only, and he's going to say it's time when it's time. All right, so in the meanwhile, let's do what he asked us to do here and now. Right here and now. What he's asked us to do right here and now is live for him in this new covenant. Therefore, church, let's look back at the old covenant and what God was doing there to understand our covenant that he gives to us in the new. So we are going to look in Israel, the Hebrew history, which is the Old Testament of the Bible. Now, as we look in that place, we're going to look right to the Exodus account, and we're going to look at the last of the 10 plagues. We know that at the, this is why uh, years ago they used to play the Ten Commandments movie every year at Easter. You know, they used to, I, they may still do it. I don't know. I don't really watch TV too much. Um, so that's just because of a choice, and really there's nothing you choose to watch very frequently. But anyway, we won't go there. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's get back on task here. They used to show the Ten Commandments movie with that guy. Was it Charlton Heston? Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm laughing because I can't remember, you know, two days ago. I don't know where that one, that must have been the Holy Spirit saying, just get on with it. So I will. All right, so they play that movie. There's a reason, because you see this is Passover. It's not just a coincidence that these things happen, that the Passover, as the Jewish Hebrew people look back and celebrate their history, would take place right here on the calendar, right here and now. Because, see, it was God's calendar. People think they know things, but God does know things. And he has chosen to reveal them to us. And if we would open up our eyes, we'd be blown away at what God's done. 
like we would celebrate it like every Sunday like crazy because when we look at this final plague that happened in this 10th plague against the Egyptians and their gods, remember when God spoke to Moses in the fiery bush, he said, I'm going to let the whole world know that I'm God. He wanted everyone, not just the Hebrew people, not just the descendants of Abraham. He wanted the entire world to know that he is God alone. And that even though the world proclaims other gods, they are not God at all. They are false gods. They are no gods. And he alone is God. And so he attacked every one of their gods in the plagues. And this tenth and final one, God says, here's the deal. This is done. Things are starting new as of right now. And a judgment of God fell. Church, I want us to see this because when we see the redemptive plan of God and how he did this, we're going to read this scripture and see how much this day means to the entire world when we see what happened in the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, we read in God's word, while the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. So please remember this. These people were still in bondage, but God gave them new directions right here. In that old life, he's like, I'm doing something, and I'm doing it now, even though they were still in bondage. Did you hear that? So God's saying, I'm about to do something. doesn't matter what you think you're living in right now. I'm about to do something. Check it out. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel. Then on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share it with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Take special care of the chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are the instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. Okay, I, I got to pause here as we continue to read. Think this through now. God's saying, like, bring this little lamb baby goat into your house. And keep it special for four days. On the 10th day of the month, bring it in. On the 14th day of the month, this, all of you that are parents and grandparents, think about your kids getting attached to this little thing. You know, they'll make a pet out of anything. And now he says, I want you to bring everybody outside, and I want you to kill that thing. And then all y'all are going to eat it together as a family. But I want you to do it like fast, dressed and ready to move. God's about to do something. Remember, all these instructions are given while they're still in bondage. There's been no freedom. There's been no deliverance. There's actually been more difficulties in their life. 
And now it says, God's saying to them, what you're going to do now is you're going to step up in faith, believing that I'm about to do something. Nothing had changed, but you get ready for it to change. Get ready. Eat this with urgency. This is the Lord's Passover. I'm going to read the scriptures now. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Man, church, just think about that night and what all was involved. The people of Egypt were already terrified at God. They were. They were expressing that. And in this moment, when the Israelites did all this, I want you to see that God was up to something. And what God was up to was both offering judgment and redemption at the very same time. God was saying, there's a way for you to escape this and come into a new life, or you can choose to do it your way and remain under judgment and you will suffer. God was offering this. The message went out. Everyone had to take responsibility for their own decision. They had to make a choice. Everybody had to decide, are we going to do it God's way or our way? What do you think they did? Come on, seriously. Who would ever not do that? When you have already seen what God has done, what God has said, and how he was moving church. God was up to something, and God was stirring, but there had to be an act of obedience before the fulfillment of the freedom would ever come. And God said, this is the way it's going to be. There is no in-between. There's no partial covering. God said, I want you to put that blood here, here, and here, no matter what, and then stay inside the house. So everyone had to stay inside the covering, be identified as one who believed. I don't think there was a lot of social activity on the porches that night, do you? I don't think anyone wanted to look out the peephole. Everyone was inside the house and waiting with expectation. So each and every household had to act. There was an invitation to neighbors. There were people com communicating back and forth, right? That's what the Word of God said. Like if you just had a small family, had a little bigger family, we had this land, like, hey, the, we need all of us to be right here together. Let's all join together in this house. Let's meet here. No, like, I'm afraid to talk to them. Or, will they be comfortable? Will they want to do this? No, man. Come inside the door. Let's eat together because God's about to do something. Now, when we look at that, see, God said there needs to be a sign. There's a symbol. There's blood. But there's something more than just doing it. It has to be visible. God said there needs to be evidence that you are under the blood. And I will be looking. Did you hear that, church? God said, I will pass over. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's why it's called the Passover. It is that very element where God came and looked to see if the members of the household were covered with the blood or not. It was either redemption or judgment based upon the activity of the household. Hello. Come on, church. 
All of us need to wake up and understand that. See, it is up to us whether we stand in redemption or judgment. It's either under the blood or not. It's either visible or not. There's no in-between. There's no like transparency of like, well, I'm not sure. If you're not sure, get in there. God says it. God said it. I'm looking. God said, I'm looking, and I will release judgment or redemption. Follow through now. Let's see what's happening. Now, for generations, the Hebrew descendants, the Jewish people, those that believed in God, they weren't all Jewish. Some um, Gentiles believed and followed God's ways in Judaism. They did. So now as we look in that Passover celebrated by, by these generations, generations after generations, and Jesus' disciples and himself, they did as well. And on this week, uh, we call Holy Week, they celebrated again because it fell upon the Passover. And as you know in the scriptures, we're going to read them, Jesus had the disciples getting prepared to celebrate this event in history and something that we have now called the Last Supper. In Luke chapter 22, we read verses 7 and 8. Now the festival of unleavened bread, which remember if you, we read the Exodus and he was talking about, you know, you need to eat the unleavened bread with it. Part of the Passover was a separate celebration that came at that very moment the festival of unleavened bread. So they took all the leaven out of the house, makes unleavened bread to eat it with it to move forward. So let's hear what's going on. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you, now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So church, think about this. Listen to what Jesus is saying right now to his disciples. He's like, you guys have been doing this for generations. We've been doing this thing in obedience to God to celebrate what God has done. He said, this is the last time we're going to do it this way. <laughs> he said, now, this is about to be fulfilled. This very act that you've been celebrating for generations is about to come to pass in a new and profound way. Jesus said, it's about to happen, guys. Look around you. Wake up. Something amazing is about to take place. <laughs> it's amazing, man. See, Jesus, yeah, was fulfilling God's plan laid out from the foundation of the world. That God himself planned from the beginning for our redemption. He knew that we would screw it up. And he was willing to allow that to happen because he loved us so much that he wanted to have a relationship with us knowing that it would cost him everything to have that relationship with you and I. Jesus knew he was the Passover lamb. He knew. He knew that his blood being shed was for redemption and judgment. 
Three years before this moment that we're reading about in the Last Supper, Jesus began his earthly ministry. And you know how he did it? He came to a prophet of the day, John the Baptist. And he came walking down the bank of the river. He was coming to be baptized. And John looked and saw him coming. And in John 1.29, the gospel, it says this. When John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, <laughs> the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Church, no human being could have figured that out. God himself was revealing something to everyone that would listen. The Lamb was now present. That was not going to be the yearly sacrifice but he would be the one and only redeemer of the world, the spotless lamb of God who was there to not just cover things, but to remove the sin of our lives, offering a brand new life for anyone who would be identified through him, not through any church, not through any person, but anyone who would be redeemed would come to be known through Jesus Christ. He said, this is happening right before your very eyes. Church, man, that's amazing stuff right there. So we see God's plan fall into place. And nothing is coincidence. Nothing. Everything is perfect and comes together in God's perfect timing, which is long and slow for me and my limited perspective, church. It is. I mean, I pray and ask God for stuff that I expect him to do today before I go to bed. And if he doesn't do it by today when I go to bed, I'll ask him again tomorrow. But oftentimes, seriously, I'm tempted to quit asking, thinking it's not his will. Be consistent, persistent, walk, trust, and let God reveal things in his perfect timing. Church, listen, it was around 1,400 years from the first Passover to when Jesus had the Passover with the disciples. 1,400 years. I mean, Israel had become a nation, had fallen, been taken, they became a nation, had been taken over. You know what I'm saying? Like, all that stuff that's going on, by the way, we should probably think about that in our own world and live in our country. I mean, everything, God's calendar doesn't hinge upon the United States rising or falling. Israel, his own people, rose and fell, rose and fell. Anyway, we won't go there right now. Let's stay where we're going here. So look, I mean, I'm saying nothing is coincidence with God. And we look at this, and it's 1,400 years. He is never in a hurry. But he's perfect in everything that he does. He is always. So to the death of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the Passover, the Passover lamb, 1,400 years later, and when we look at this, it's like, man, God, you're so amazing that as we look back and think about that last plague against the gods of Egypt, and it was through the Passover that the people left the life of slavery and became a free people identified by God himself and his name being placed upon them. Hello, it's like, can any human being organize that? Church, think about it. Do you hear that? God was like, all right, so I'm going to do this. You're going to come out. The world's going to know I'm God. The world's going to know that I have redeemed you. They're going to see my hand upon you. And the whole world's going to know you're my holy people. That's the Old Testament. 
And now God says to us in the New Testament, hello, I'm going to take you out of your slavery to sin, your bondage and brokenness. I'm going to bring you into a brand new life, and you're going to be called my people, and people are going to know you because I am your God, and you are my holy people. Come on, man. No human being could orchestrate that. That's why I tell you all the time, if you really want to know if the Bible's God's word, then read it. But read it openly and look for God because he's there all over the place. No human being could put that together. Only God. <laughs> he is incredible. So he's telling us you can leave your life of slavery anytime you want to. The blood has been shed and it's available. It's up to you. Now, listen to what's written to us in the church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 14 through 18. We'll read a couple more after that, but right now I just want to listen to these. Listen to what it says. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. You believe that, church? See, Christ died for us. Therefore, he's saying we have to die to our old life. There's something about this transition from the life of slavery and sin into the new life with Christ that we have to grasp in the New Testament by faith, understanding what the power of the blood of Christ actually does for us. It redeems us and sets us free, church. Man, it's amazing. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone. So those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. It's not about us. It's about him. The fact that I've been given life, he has passed over me through the blood of Christ, and now I live because of him. Therefore, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him. The word of God tells us this. He died for everyone. There's not just a select few, everyone out there. He purchased them through his blood. Now all we have to do is accept it, receive it, step in under the blood, and we have it. And if we don't, we're guilty. Instead, let me reread that. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. For me, for us. That's how you got put in there, right? So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a point of view, from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. That is so cool. See, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Church, I had a human point of view of Christ. I did. Before I came to forgiveness and salvation in Christ, I knew him. I knew about him. I knew all the Bible stories, but I didn't know him. And so I was viewing him only from a human perspective, seeing him as Jesus, seeing him as God, seeing all that stuff, but not knowing him. And what we read here in the scripture, it's like, wow, there's something has taken place, something different now. Now it's not just seeing him from a human point of view. It's knowing who he is and knowing him as God and my Savior and my Redeemer. This is what God's word says to us then, how differently we know him now. 
This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Remember, we were no longer slaves to sin. We've been set free by the blood of Christ, and God says, now you are identified differently. You're made new. You're my people. No longer do you live that way. Church, this is what the power of the blood of Christ does for us. It not only forgives us of our sins, but it transforms us from the old to the new right here and now. Not when we go to heaven. Right here, right now, the power of the blood of Christ is available to make us new. That is the good news, man. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Isn't that awesome? Nothing we can do. See, the Old Testament religion was everything we could do to try and present ourselves to God. And God's like, none of y'all can do this. Therefore, I will do it for you. And now it's an act that I do. It's relationship rather than religious activity. It's not just terminology. It's what God just said to us in his word. He's telling us, it's like, look, I am bringing you back to myself. I'm redeeming you through this sacrifice, the one and only Passover lamb. And now that you come to me, you are made new. And God himself, right, brought us back to himself through Christ, reading the scriptures. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So when we're looking at this amazing parallel from Passover to Passover, to see how God's plan was put in place and how he tells us there's redemption and judgment. Again, we look into the New Testament, the New Covenant. There is redemption or judgment. There's new life available, or you can do it your way. It's up to us. We are God's people. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God, made that way by his work. No churches, no pastors, no anything else, only his work. And you are his child, and you are part of God's family. And as God's child, we're no longer slaves to sin. Church, we're no longer living that old life where we were in bondage and brokenness to our sin. We're living a new life because God has brought us from that old life into the new. <laughs> man, I look at this, I'm like, man, God, it's so amazing how free we are in Christ and how you made us free through the blood of the Lamb. You're identified as mine. I am yours. You are mine. Here we are. So all of us who have accepted this new life in Christ are still living in this new way, but those who haven't are still living in bondage and slavery to sin. Now, what God's word just told us is that it's our responsibility to let them know they need to be under the blood. Why in the world would we not tell them that the Passover's real, that God's judgment is going to come, and if you're not under the blood, you're not going to live? That's the reconciliation God's called us to present to the world. That's why I was saying, when you look at that first Passover, do you think people were just whispering about it or texting their friends and saying, probably should stay in your house tonight? I don't think so. Don't you think word was spreading and people were talking about it? Don't you think they were saying like, no, it's incessant. You need to come to my house. You need to be in here. We need to do this together. And here we are in the New Testament church seeing all that God has, all that he's done, knowing the redemptive plan of God, knowing that Jesus is the only way. Why would we not be bold to speak about that? 
Why would we not tell our own family? If you're not under the blood, you're lost. What's wrong with that? I love you enough to tell you you need Jesus. I mean that talking from us to our family. It's up to them to accept. <laughs> There's no life available. We know that, right? It's available to anyone. And that's exactly what it meant when we read that verse. See, in verse 18, it said, In all of us, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So before I read any more and look at the, what we're going to go into in that next verse, which we're almost at the end, we're going to get out, I think, early. We'll see what happens. But um, so whatever that is, just relax, okay? All right, so when I'm messing myself up because I, yeah, anyway, help me, Jesus. All right, so now when God says to us that I've given you this job of reconciling people to himself, then do we not understand that this is our responsibility, that it's on us? That if someone that we know and love and have relationship with is not under the blood, that we haven't warned them, talked to them, invited them, that that's on us, right? This is a call of God for us, church. So God's desiring to work through us to redeem them, to offer to them this incredible life. We've received this call of God to let people know that this new life is available. So let's read verse 19 through 21 now. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. I mean, how could we not be celebrating? I don't mean like, no, I mean like, how can we not be celebrating that? He's no longer counting that stuff against you. You know how screwed up you were? I mean, God's saying, I'm not holding that against you. Now that you've come and received the blood of Christ, that now is gone. No longer holding that against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. <laughs> so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. All right, that's a moment all of us should be applauding God. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, man. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're so amazing. People need to know. It's Jesus only. He's the one and only Savior of the world, period. There is no other. It is our call of God to let them know doesn't matter how spiritual they are, what kind of things they do. If it's not Jesus, it's not spiritual, it's not God, and it doesn't work. It is through the spotless blood of the Lamb that is the only way to be redeemed, the only way to be right, the only way to have hope, the only way that your life will ever change is through Jesus Christ. If you do it any other way, it won't work. It's God's way or no way. Church, we have to be bold in that. This is the reconciliation message of God. This is why Jesus came. This is why he died. This is what he offered to us. We need to accept it, own it, and announce it. We are called by God to do this very thing. No longer slaves. We're God's people. <laughs> so amazing. Listen to this incredible word right here from 
the book of John chapter 3 that you've heard countless times, but hear it through all the way. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We're going to keep reading, but think, my luck, like just put that Passover in your mind. He's saying everyone can get under that blood if they want to. It's up to you. You don't have to perish, but you have to come or you will. Listen to verse 17. God sent his son in the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him, right? The blood is available for everyone. God's word has said that. Verse number 18. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. See, you're either in the house or not. You're under the blood or not. So it's offered, it's free, it's God's. He's given the gift. So either you're going to step into that free gift that God has offered for redemption, or you're going to face the judgment or the consequences of not. And so by discounting Jesus, you receive judgment you bring upon yourself. A lot of people say, God would never throw it. No, you won't. People will choose to go to hell by rejecting Jesus Christ. God won't do it to them. It's already been done by their decision. The, the message is there. The sacrifice is made. Freedom's available. You're in or out. It's up to you. Simple as that. Let's read verse 19 now. This is where we most of the time stop reading after this verse 18. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Oh, so you mean they choose, they choose to live their life rather than God's life. Oh, that's what it says, yes. Listen, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. You understand that, church? Do you see that? See, we're stepping into this so that others can see what God has done in our life, what God is doing, what is available for all lives because of Jesus Christ. So we step right into that light. A new people. This is the redemptive plan of God. And it was fulfilled in Christ. Again, that's why we celebrate every Sunday because we've recognized this is the new life that's available. It's the new covenant. It's the new everything that God has made available to us. Man, church, we should be the most celebratory people in the world. Come on. Like crazy we should be celebrating. A new people, his redemptive plan. This is why Jesus said when he was on the cross... In his last statement, before giving up his spirit, when Jesus had tasted this, he said, it is finished. <laughs> and he bowed his head gave up his spirit. It's fulfilled. It's done. It's available. Jesus is like, this is it. This is the redemptive plan of God. Church, there's someone in your life that you need to tell. Jesus is the Passover lamb, that he is available for them. 
action step here. Have you repented and turned from your sin, allowing the blood of the lamb to remove it and set you free? Have you done that, church? If you've not done that, today's the day. I don't care who you are or who you're next to. Please let me announce to you, there is freedom available in your life. Freedom from sin, freedom from bondage. There is freedom in Christ alone. You will not find it any other way. It is through Jesus Christ, and I want you to know it's available right now. <laughs> it's not something you have to work towards or show up X amount of times. He's available. It's now. I ask you, are you living free from that sin? that you've repented of. See, you have to be living free from it, not still living in it. Remember what God said, right? He came to redeem us and set us free, to give us a new life, not an old life, not the old way, but a brand new way. So we step out of the old into the new. So if you've prayed and you've repented, but you're still living in it, that's not the salvation Jesus died to give us. You don't have to live there any longer. We step into the new by faith, receiving. So we're standing here with expectation, God. So I give the illustration to someone. I do it all the time with people when they're saying, you know, I don't, what do I need to do to be saved? I'm like, shake my hand. That's not going to save you, but shake my hand. And they reach out to shake my hand. I'm like, you know that you had faith that my hand would be there when you did that? You believed that my hand would still be there? I could have pulled it away. You didn't even think about it. You just reached out and took it because I offered it. That's what this is. It's God saying, look, I'm offering this. It's right there. All you got to do is step out and receive it. Reach out and grab it. It's available. Man, there's nothing we have to do to earn it. He's amazing. So how are you going to share that good news with the people in your life that need this reconciliation with God? Let's do it, church. How will you share this good news? Let's just believe the Holy Spirit to show us, reveal, and offer this to people. Would you stand with me? We're done. If you want to come to the altar this morning, it's wide open. The arms of God are open. Oh, my goodness. He's so available. Please come to him. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, come to him today. When I ask people to come to the altar, it's like, you need Jesus, just come. If he's speaking to you, come. He's calling to you, come. We're not going to wait for later. We're not going to do something else. This isn't about what other people think. It's like an invitation from the creator of the universe saying, come. <laughs> Let's respond to him. Father, we love you. Thank you for a redemptive plan that is so incredibly easy to see now as we look back in history. Watch what you've done and what's available to us to be called your people, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Lord, I, I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. Thank you for loving us so much. <laughs>